Scale Well Podcast. How to use technology to scale your business. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Scale Well Podcast. My name is Phil Bean. I'm here with Matt Gamble. We're two of the founders of Nudge Coach, an easy-to-use client management software for wellness businesses. And today we have another great episode. I say that every week. This one, I really mean it. Um, Come to us from the UK today. Uh, James Brees is the founder of Strength Matters and a rugby cricket and snowboarding fanatic. He's dedicated to empowering people with the skills to change lives and make the world a fitter, healthier, and stronger place. James, I've been spending a lot of time with you lately, so I'm excited to have you on our podcast this go around with us today. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Absolutely, same here. Nice, nice to be on the other end for a change. Me, me and you have been talking quite a lot from, on the other side, um, quite literally, and also in different parts of the world. This is, it's, the, I think, the third or fourth place me and you have spoken to, Phil, recently. Yeah, I, I kind of thought maybe y'all were cheating on me at one point in that the, you were creating and, and forming a new show, and I didn't know about it. Just need to throw that out there. So We, we could probably do it at this point. We, we have at least four episodes. We can go episodes together, okay. <laughs> Also worth noting to anybody listening, we are actually first recording in a new room. So we've moved across Uh, the hallway. Uh, So James, I appreciate you being here in in the new room. We don't have any names or any decorations. This isn't the pod quarters. We have no clever name for this. No clever name. We're in that, that's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm coming from my parents' place back in Wales. I'm, I'm, I'm like visiting them for a couple of weeks and seeing how things are going. So I'd like to say I'm in some big fancy office, but I'm, I'm really not. I'm in this spare room currently um, at my parents' place. So there you go, yeah. back in Wales. This is about as real as it gets. So anyone thinking <laughs> absolutely. About making things up most of the time this is about as real as it gets. So James, <laughs> I, I appreciate you being here. And I know we've, as we Phil kind of pointed out, we've had a, just tons of conversations with you over the past couple of months and have really enjoyed working with you on in a handful of different ways. And, you know, I think for one, you have such an interesting story just in terms of how Strength Matters has, has come together and really created this kind of global brand in the fitness space and in kind of the wellness space. And I think for one would be great you just start by sharing with people kind of what Strength Matters is. And I, I love the story of how you all got to where you are now. And I think it'd just be a great place to start. Yeah, awesome. Not, not a problem. So, yeah, as I said, my name's James Breeze. I'm originally from Wales in the UK. And for those in America who don't quite know where Wales is, it's sandwiched in between Ireland and England. So um, I grew, growing up on a farm in mid Wales um, and also with like, um, I'd say, English is my second language. Welsh is my first language. So it's been definitely been an, up, an interesting upbringing and to where I am today and what I'm doing. No, not many people would, would have thought like a farm boy from mid Wales would uh, end up running a company like this, I can tell you. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, Strength Matters, it's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's, it's, devo- it's developed, it's evolving, it's continually evolving, I think. But the main part of it is, is that we're trying to help everyday athletes train smarter. And like I said, empower people with skills, just lead a more healthy and fulfilling life. Um, and the way we do that is we work, we work with health and fitness professionals. We work with everyday people, just give them the skill sets to go, right, this is how you train smarter. This is how you can train for longevity. And this is how you put it all together. We kind of try and declutter the complexity of training and injury and rehab and make it a, a simple, easy solution for people to understand. Um, and we do that through a multiple means. Like our first bit of content that people come across is the magazine, um, both print and digital. And then they lead into our car, our private groups and membership groups and come to events. And that's kind of where we, where, where Strength Matters is today. We try and provide all these solutions to help everyday people 
get a bit more authentic. And, and tell the story a little bit about how you created the magazine. I thought that was just such a, so funny the way it kind of came about and seeing especially where you are now, just kind of the inception point was pretty funny. Yeah, honestly, the magazine idea, it was, there's been a few ideas um, that have popped up through just random circumstances or events. Um, and the magazine is definitely one of them. I was heading over to Hungary, uh, over to Budapest to teach a workshop. And I arrived there nice and early, it was about 7.30 a.m. flight. And I'd gone through security, gone through all the checkpoints, and I was just about to board. Now, without naming names, but the plane, Ryanair, um, then said to me, as I was about to board, hey, where's your paper ticket? This is about four or five years ago now. And I was like, well, I haven't got one. I've just used my PDF scanner on my phone all the way through. Oh, sorry, we can't let you board without your paper ticket. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. What is happening here? <laughs> so after about a good 15, 20 minutes of heated debate, um, they then escorted me back out to the terminal, back into the main area, and I had to rebook another flight to fly out 14 hours later because I was still teaching the next day in Budapest. And that was the earliest flight I can get to get out there. So in my infinite wisdom, it was like, um, what's that film with Tom Hanks when he lives in the airport? I was literally there for about 14 hours, just twiddling my thumbs, not, not, not knowing what to do. I'd walked around, I drank as much coffee as I could. And one of the things I kept doing was going into the new state agents and thumbing through the magazines. I mean, all the health and fitness magazines. And everyone I read, I just realized that none of them were relevant to me. No, I couldn't take any bit of actionable advice or anything useful because it was all the same thing, just packaged differently. Mm -hmm. So I got on the plane to Budapest, wrote some notes, notes on, my, um, on my laptop, and six months later, we set up a, a printed newsletter. Uh, the newsletter went out to all that list. It was for free. Six months after that, literally people were saying, hey, we want more content. We should turn this into a magazine. And that is literally how the story started. So from a, being stuck, stuck in an airport, I've been technically kicked off a plane, um, <laughs> quite literally, to creating the magazine. And, yeah, and here we are now. It's funny to hear this was a handful of years ago when this is a story I would expect to read in the news today. Right. <laughs> I think you were, you maybe set the stage for people getting kicked off planes. You maybe. Absolutely. I'm proud yeah. of that. So which, so at that point, so you said, hey, we're going we're gonna to start looking into content, creating something that may be more, you know, solving your own pain point necessarily and kind of looking at how content was, would better fit people like you. And so what was that? You know, what, what was the content like in that first, was it just kind of an article you wrote? Did you, did you equip some other contributors at that point? Kind of what, what did that first, uh, I'd say, publishing really look like? So I think the, the first thing that was in my head, prior to the whole incident um, in Stanford Airport, um, it was in the forefront of my mind. I attended a conference. I can't remember who it was with. I think it was with a guy called Dan Kennedy. And he turned around and said that, you know, one of the biggest life-changing things you can do for your business is create a printed newsletter. Do that every month for 12 months and come back and tell me how that worked for you after that. I always stuck in my head. So the idea was always, okay, I need to go to something different um, and go back to maybe some printed format because I was seeing everything in the world going digital. Everybody was consuming everything digital from apps, from mobile phones, to emails, you name it. So... I'm always a big believer in changing the trend or going the other way when people, everyone else is going the same way. 
just just because I want to see what's happening. So I saw this trend of everything digital and I thought, well, right, let's go back and start doing things in print to stand out from the crowd and get noticed. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. So when it came to the original content, fortunately through my network and my contacts, I was able to reach out to a number of contributors to create the magazine and create um, content like interviews, articles, workouts, that type of thing, and mostly focus on you know, community engagement because that's what Strength Matters mostly is. It's a big community um, where everyone gets together and everyone knows each other and everyone wants to know what's, what's going on. So the goal was to try and keep everyone connected with the printed magazine. Yeah, so what was the, at that point, where did you see this going? Was this just kind of a fun thing you were doing on the side or was this something you said, hey, look, I really want to start a media business? I mean, what was the, what were you thinking at that point? Well, I think it was um, like I was running events and uh, selling a quick, uh, you know, kettlebell and cast iron equipment in the UK at the time. I could see that market changing. Um, whereas you know, my previous company, Kettlebell Fever, we became the, the largest cast iron kettlebell company in the in the in Europe actually, um, before everyone cottoned on to selling kettlebells. So we developed a name for ourselves doing that, but I saw what was happening in the industry and what was going on because if you're selling you know, physical equipment, unless you have multiple other products to go with it, something like kettlebells, you know, you, there aren't, isn't a lot of margin and the margin was going down and down each year as other competitors were coming in. And it was just one of those things. So I was always looking to diversify and move away from the equipment and like I said, I used, I wanted to use the magazine as a tool to sell that education courses and workshops. That was the, that was the key thing mm -hmm. um, to use that. And so I never thought it would become a magazine to where we are today, but the more we did it, the more people engaged and were sharing it and sending me stories about how, Hey, my dog ate the, the, um, the copy of the newsletter. Can you send me another copy, please? I really want to read it. Or people putting it down on coffee tables. I knew that was the right thing to do. We were on the right track. So, yeah, so this started as something initially as can you saw this being free kind of, you know, further kind of nurturing your audience and sounded like yeah. um, you, you didn't see any kind of revenue model coming out of it at all. Not, not to begin with, not with a newsletter. And then as soon as the newsletter became the magazine, that's when we started to realize, okay, we need to create our membership site now. We need to create a hub of recurring revenue um, with the membership site. And that's what the magazine became, became more high end membership service, so to speak. So I think this is great how you started though. I like that. And I, I try to communicate this to people every, every now and then, but you know, it's, it's become such of a meet, it's such a me too business, mm -hmm. the fitness business and seeing you guys zig when everyone else is zagging and going back to print to start and, and taking things in different directions from there. I think it's a really interesting lesson lesson for a lot of people listening out there just to, to stand out from the pack and do something a little different. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But um, as you, so, sorry, go ahead. No, no, sorry. I was saying, absolutely. That's the thing. You to stand out and people don't realize that you need to stand out in the crowd, no matter what you have. If you continue to do the same thing, people will get accustomed to it, that you need to be different and stand out from everybody else. And it's funny, I, I talk everything about print, but at the moment we've just invested in an app ourselves to uh, take the magazine digital, because what we realized is that we're missing out on a younger crowd who are all digital. The people over 30 are all loving the print. But then the, the younger crowd at the moment is consuming everything digitally. So that's what we've adopted and moved in a different direction, slightly different direction in the past couple of months. And I think that comes back to um, highlighting your ability to build an audience. So what opportunities are you seeing now that you've been able to start to really 
kind of scale up your audience and what can come from kind of going from, you know, a small little thing where you're putting out a print issue to having a whole bunch of engaged members who are engaging in different ways. In honesty, the opportunities are becoming endless. It's, it's funny that, you know, whereas we started off with people, we, we were contacting people to get on the magazine, get them on the magazine covers or engage in something. We're finding people are now coming to us in, um, in their jobs. So it's, it's nice to see that's one of the biggest opportunities and the, and the changes we've seen. But at the same time, as the audience grows, we start to hear more voices um, from people and what they recommend and what they want to see. So one of the biggest shifts where we were always working with mostly professionals and coaches, that was, that was our target audience. Um, and it still is a very, very big part of our audience. But for some reason, the magazine and the media that we have with the podcasts and the webinars, they've attracted also a group of people that we call, like I'd say, the intelligent fitness enthusiast. So what you're having is that people who are working in high-powered jobs in the city, um, you know, anywhere all over the world, they love in the content. And even though they're not going to be a professional, they're interested to see and learn more about what the professionals do and this higher thinking of content. So what we've discovered is there's a now a market, and this is what I'm working with you guys behind the scenes as well to integrate nudge coach of a need for people to actually be coached by us directly, by, by us remotely. So that's one of the biggest changes happening in strength matters at the moment too, is that with this audience, with this media, and with the, the people we've attracted, it, we're now starting to really truly understand the voice of the people inside that audience. I, and I love what you just, because you just touched on several key pieces. And before we get too far, I think my goal here for this episode was really to kind of show people how it's kind of a natural pathway and kind of a continuum of free content, more kind of premium content, and other, fee, uh, other kind of offerings you can essentially market to an audience as you've built one up. So I guess before we get too far, one thing I want to kind of pull us back a little bit, James, was talk a little bit about kind of the the role of free content, because I know a lot of the people in our audience are, you know, generally business owners are pretty high up in their business and have influence, and they're trying to figure out, you know, how do we attract more clients or how do we attract more customers, patients, or people call them, and content is something they're turning to and trying to figure out, okay, what is the role of that free content? Do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think free content is, is key to any business. However, you have to have a play in place to realize that if you keep giving away something for free, people expect free. So you give away a free bit of content, but there's always a door to leading to the next level at each time. Because I think that's the best phrase I can use is free expects free. So therefore you've got to change the relationship very quickly from people consuming free content to consuming paid content. It doesn't have to be much, something small, something little, but it's creating that value, creating that initial exchange and that relationship to begin with, with just a small amount. One of the things that we do is, you know, the way we get people into that whole funnel into our system is that, you know, the digital app, for example, for a monthly subscription, it's $2.99. That's, that's, the, that's the entry point for us to get people in through the door. Um, if they want the print, it's $7.99. And it just keeps scaling up and, you know, accordingly. Um, I always use the phrase, if you imagine a box of chips uh, like Pringles, and the phrase, catchphrase at years ago was, once you pop, you can't stop. So that's <laughs> the same thing you've got to think about with your customers and clients too, is that you need them to get them to pop, open, open that, can, that can of that carton of Pringles, and you need to consume one item. Because suddenly, once they consume one, the whole box will be gone before long. And that's the, what I'm trying to say. So people need to leverage free content 
with a purpose to get it to being paid content or something paid very quickly. Yeah, that's, that's great. I appreciate you walking through that because I think that what we see is a lot of our audience and like I said, whether you're, you're running a fitness business, you're running a private practice, we see a lot of common themes pop up and it's generally, hey, look, I know content has a role here and they, they quickly understand that they're doing a lot of repetitive tasks, a lot of repetitive education. They start looking at an LMS to start, to start uh, distributing content to paying customers in a way that a little bit more scalable. So when you all started tying in kind of more premium content, I'll call it, that you said was uh, fairly inexpensive, but kind of the next step up, how did you go about pricing that? What was the strategy you looked at there as kind of, you know, what is your packaging that offering? What, what was it exactly? And then what was the uh, kind of thought process behind putting that number? It, it was, it's interesting because over the years, my ideas have changed when it comes to pricing a little bit. Um, I've always been going... I've always wanted and aimed to go for a premium service and premium product. That's, that's always what I've wanted to do. So I always looked at what other people are charging for similar things and then going, right, we need to double that or triple it to stand out. That was kind Amen of- Amen on that one. I think everyone needs to take notes on that. Yeah, oh, totally. It's, um, it's definitely interesting seeing that. But at the same time, I've discovered in fitness is that if you're talking about coaches and professionals, they don't necessarily have the same disposable income as what say other people, other professions have. So you've got to be a bit careful how you price things accordingly because I'm all for being premium. However, if you price it a little bit too far in the fitness space, then what you have is an issue of not having enough people coming to events. And we've been guilty of that and we've had issues with that in the past. I think we've got our pricing structure a bit like, um, you know, more correct now. Uh, for example, our monthly membership, so our premium membership now is twenty four ninety nine a month. Um, we've played with it from $19.99 all the way up to uh, $79 a month. And, you know, it's what we find is $24.99 is the right amount for lack of not, not much churn and mm -hmm. enough people coming in consistently. That seems to be the key figure there. Awesome. So, you, so you've, had, you've now built into multiple tiers at this point. Yes, absolutely. So we, they, it's, I always think of like a, a ladder. You can always rise to, you can always keep going. That's, that's my point. So once you have like, you know, the magazine membership to begin with at $2.99 and there's the print at $7.99. Then we can go to $24.99. And then what we have now is our coaching system where people can then pay $149 a month to become part of it. We'll be coaching how to get more athletic mm -hmm. um, and fitter stronger. And that's that's kind of how we're, we're pricing that. So it's, it starts somewhere and then it always keeps going up. I think that's brilliant. Now, I think what, you know, one really interesting lesson that I hope comes through in that as well is that, you know, what you mentioned about bringing the price point down a little bit so that, you know, you weren't turning off any of your audience so that it wasn't more churn than you would like is really something that I think people miss. You know, they think about what's the most I can get people to pay. But it's sometimes, you know, you want to keep that audience engaged because you're going to have these higher price options in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for a long-term play, really considering that churn rate and pricing accordingly in order to balance that out, it's such a strategic thing that gets missed a lot. So I think I'm glad you shared yeah. that. That's really valuable. So, and, and just to give you a, like a real life example of something that's happening at the moment is whenever I'm pricing something, I always want to think with the think of the end in mind. Um, so like I said, we've, we've just recently offered this, um, you know, this remote personal coaching program, which involves you guys at Nudge Coach and uh, another app so we can track people's workouts and track everything so we can coach them remotely. And so I was launching a brand new product I already had an audience, but I wanted to test the product to begin with to see if it was viable. So 
in my head, I've always known I wanted to charge $279 a month for that. Um, and that was the, that was the goal to have, you know, at some point get between 250 and 300 people on that price point paying in for remote coaching from around the world. However, I wasn't going to lead in with 279 straight away. So what we, I've done is I'm introducing a, a three-layer tiered system to get up to it. So I capture a lot of early adopters, get them into the system, um, get all the testimonials and the results I possibly can and give back to them for, for being a part of it. Um, and then use that to leverage to get to that price point. So for example, I actually started off with $97 for the first 20 people to come in. That's now gone up to 149 with the next stage we're going at, and I'll take that to 229 next and then 279 once we have a complete system of already engaged members in the audience. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how I go with these. I, I get the early adopters in, leverage them, and then through the leverage, I can justify charging more prices. And it's kind of a safe, a good safe way to get and get to where you want to get to. I think it's to, it's important too to point out, and I whenever anyone asks us about this and kind of creating or launching their programs. You know, I think it's always important that you can get a testimonial as quickly as you can. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I know for the first, you know, I've even heard of some people launching uh, pilot programs for friends and family where they give their service away for maybe it's several weeks just to get the quotes on their website. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, absolutely understand you got to do what you can to kind of prove, you know, to legitimize yourself and show that you, you know, you have some experience. No one ever wants to be the first customer. So um, I'm sure there's a lot you can do as you've kind of honed in on your offering a little bit. I'm sure you're going to have some, some great quotes from it too. So what do you see is kind of, so you, you've kind of created this kind of multi-tier structure where you've got, it starts with free content where you're, you know, in some cases you may have been kind of nurturing this audience for, for months, if not years. Uh, you've then gotten them to come in and subscribe to the, the premium content to your magazine. And now you're launching this new offering. What do you, where do you see this kind of all going? Do you see that kind of coaching being the final stop or is there another kind of tier you see this going where you're, you know, even more premium or do you see that kind of the, the cherry on top? Yeah, I think, like I said, I think um, what, we, what we've realized now is that the importance of media and how important it is to build a big audience. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things, like I said, where the future direction of strength matters is going is, is that ultimately we'd love to have a big HQ um, probably somewhere in the United States where we can have a house where we can bring everyone together, all the trainings done in house for all the coaches. We don't have to go anywhere else. You know, we can run all these events down here. There's a lot of steps we want to take before we get to that stage first and also set the foundations for a long-term sustainable business. So even though we're running and setting up these coaching, remote coaching programs, which will be a mainstay of our business, we believe, what we're trying to do is build like a media empire. So really own our media from podcasts to webinars constantly to the magazine because with media, it builds leverage and it builds brand allegiance. And nothing, nothing says, you know, you have a brand than a printed magazine when people hold it in their hands and share it with friends. So that's one of the main things for us is like make sure we can keep building this media empire because that's going to be the influx of people into our other coaching programs. So what we see is we see ourselves becoming a big housing place for what we call everyday athletes, because that includes coaches and the everyday person, because we're all part of the same, the same bunch. But we're creating this content, delivering this education, teaching people how to lead healthier, fitter, um, you know, stronger lives, but then teaching the coaches how to deliver this at the same time. So there's like a, a two layered approach because I think where we're going, and just from my background in computer science, 
is that you know I'm very lucky to be able to you know take up new technology and implement it very very quickly um, to scale almost just based on my past experience and that's where I see we can be at the forefront of this is that not many people are combining what we're about to launch soon with you guys um, and our coaching program. Yeah, now I can see why you and Phil hang out together so much. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're, we're all kind of cut from the same cloth here and what, and kind of what we're trying to do and provide in the industry and in terms yep. of education. So, well, well, that's awesome. So I, I appreciate you walking through that. So it, it sounds like, you know, you've, you've kind of crafted this really interesting pyramid as it all kind of rises to the top of, you know, basically helping the industry better understand how to implement these types of models, whether it's education-based, whatever it is. Do you ever see yourselves phasing out the magazine? I was kind of curious because I feel like there's almost been a renaissance towards, um, you know, more of a traditional content over the past couple of years. So even SaaS companies now that send postcards mm. as a new touch point method. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, no, honestly, I think the magazine is, is, is one of our biggest, is our most important thing that we do. Hands down. Um, what, I, what I'm planning on doing is, is really developing the digital side. Because I, if, if we don't develop the digital side now, in three years' time, we'll look back and go, hell, I wish I'd have done that. Because you look at all Gen Y, Gen X, mm-hmm. you know, those types of people coming up now, they're used to this digital world. Um, people my age in their 30s, you know, we still like print. So it's kind of catering for both. But I think there'll be a turnaround at some point as well where they go, all the younger generation go to print as they get older as well. So it's, um, yeah, the magazine is definitely going to be a big part of what we do. It's, it's our biggest community builder. It's our big, one of our biggest lead gen builders as well. So I'm really interested in how kind of broad your strategy is because you have this, this print play, but you're also doing things like podcasting. I, I mean, is this all just about meeting kind of your, your target audience where they are? Um, can you talk about what made you want to go with so many different approaches to reaching out to people and engaging people? It, yeah, it's exactly that, going, going to where people are at, where are people hanging out, um, like the magazine. Yeah, people love consuming magazines. Um, you know, again, one of our goals is to get onto shelves by the end of 2018. There's a lot of things we need to do before we get to that level. But, um, but yeah, we see that. But when it comes, what we see is media. We see it all ties together nicely. So the podcast should tie with the magazine or they should relate to stories in the magazine. The webinars we're on should relate to what's happening in the magazine or what's happening in the podcast. And as we're starting to develop our you know, Strength Matters TV, you know, we want them all to tie in because I always think when it comes to branding is you've got to hit all five senses. And that's what we're trying to do with the media side of things. You know, the podcast, the TV, the magazine, we're trying to hit all those senses to reach out to as many people as we possibly can where they're hanging out. So podcasts, I think, are one of the most consumable things on the planet right now. Because whenever you go for a run or whenever you go in the car, you know, it's not very often you can get 60 minutes of branding and like marketing into someone's ear, quite literally. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I think so being kind of an extra, I know I'd be I'd be kicking myself if we weren't asking you this. I'm sure our guests would too, and they would probably let me know it. But you know, so in terms of those that are kind of listening to this right now, James, and they're trying to figure out, okay, yeah, maybe I've got a blog or I'm starting to do a little bit of podcasting, but you know, I, I want to kind of, you know, create some kind of premium content for my, for my customers or for my subscribers. Where do you start? Do you have kind of several key lessons and kind of where a person should, should put some time into kind of building that foundation or maybe even tools they should use? What are your thoughts? I think, I think the first thing you're going to work out is what is that product they're trying to sell? 
Um, let's just take a, a personal trainer or a fitness professional or strength coach as an example. You know, it's all well and good creating content. You can spend hours creating the most perfect blog and only one or two people will read it. Okay, that's that's the that's <laughs> that story. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah. One of the you know, one of the realities of what happens. So you've got to think about the end. What are you trying to sell? What's the first step you want them to do? Do you want them to sign up for a consultation? Do you want to sign them to sign up for you know like a, a challenge? What do you want them to do? So when you're writing a bit of content, write it with the with the end goal in mind of what you want them to do. So if you're writing, if you're about to do a challenge, write a blog about how you can keep healthy over 21 days, maybe that leads to a call to action at the end to sign up for your 21 day challenge program. So you know that's the key thing. If you want to start to get word out properly and kind of like cut through all the clutter because there is so much content available on Google these days, it's ridiculous. You know the world doesn't necessarily need more content. It just needs better content. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. And we talk about all the time, you know, how much promotion goes, should go into every piece of content. You know, you brought this up on maybe the last episode, yeah. even just the idea of, you know, people spend 80% of their time developing content, maybe 20% of their time promoting mm -hmm. it. And yeah. the idea that that should be flipped for sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually seeing too from, you know, more, kind of up and coming marketers and solopreneurs out there on their sites, really putting a ton of time into a few very specific posts for a very specific audience and promoting yeah. the ever loving hell out of them. And that's been an interesting strategy. See my message there basically to everyone out there is you don't have to produce, you know, 10 pieces of content a month. Yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> we made those mistakes. I think when we first started, we thought it was more of a client. And I think over the long term, it, it kind of is, but it has to be really high quality content. And you can't keep that up week in and week out. So I think, it, yeah. you know, as I, I think I did hear the 80-20 rule and I wish I could remember who said it. It may have been Derek Halpern, but um, yeah, that idea of now what we do is we may create one really long form, uh, one long form blog post, maybe once a month or twice a month. And then we'll use that as a piece for outreach. We'll, you know, promote it on social media. We'll promote it to our email list. We'll reach out and share it with other people. And, I think it's once you start getting some some solid sharing around that one piece of content, you just put a lot more focus in the promotion of that one piece rather than, hey, you know, if you're creating, you're trying to do a blog post each week and trying to go through that process each week, you're not going to be able to give enough love to each mm -hmm. piece of content you put out. Yeah, absolutely. It's and, that, and that's the key thing. It's like, go on to that stage as well. Is that, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's exactly that. What I've seen as well, and this is one thing, you know, we made, I made that mistake massively and, Fortunately, there's some tools um, out there you can use to repurpose content constantly. And we do that all the time. So if anyone's out there listening and, you know, wants my best recommendation for social media uh, tools, it would be to invest in Meet Edgar. Um, which oh, is I great keep hearing about them. Yeah. It's a, it's a great tool. Literally, you set up a calendar um, you, you on your social media profiles. You put your content in once and it will keep repurposing your content um, until you say stop. <laughs> and it'll, it'll never post the same thing twice until you've been through the whole cycle. So, you know, every blog post we do now, we put it into the data bank. So we've got posts and articles and media going on the website all day long. It increases traffic to your website greatly. It's like having an extra team member working for you. That is fantastic. Yeah, I think we always, we get asked those questions pretty regularly. I'm sure you do, James. Just kind of what, what are the tools you're using to kind of build, you know, build the audience or, or 
you know, get your content out there or get the most from your content. So it's always great to hear, you know, if people are using tools and Phil, just let us know we are also using it. So that, that makes me feel good that we're keeping our eye on the ball there as well. Awesome. Well, this, I mean, this has been phenomenal. There's so much. I'm sure Phil's going to have his work cut out for him in terms of the show notes of, mm-hmm. you know, what, what all to pull out of this. But I guess as we're kind of wrapping up, you know, are there any kind of other lessons you would want to share, any kind of tips for those who are trying to kind of get into the really into the content game and kind of build up that audience? Make literally just when it comes to writing content or make it so that people want to listen, um, make it so that people want to read it. Don't put a big jumble mess on, make it look pretty. <laughs> yeah, That's the good way to because people don't read stuff or listen to stuff that sounds bad. Like podcasts, if you have bad sound for your podcast, people will turn off. If your blog looks messy and look, looks like it's coming from 1991, they're going to turn off. You know, you, people expect high quality pro, you know, products at the moment. And honestly, um, just remember that this is, this is the key thing that we've realized and really honed in the last six months is that the title to your blog post or your podcast makes a difference in how many people listen or read it. So most people spend hours writing the perfect blog and they spend a couple of seconds writing the title. Flip that around, focus on writing great titles because that will help you get your content read by more people. That's fantastic. So, so true. Oh my gosh. That's how I spend so much time. I'm excited as we create an offshoot podcast with you guys. We'll have to work with names still, names still pending, but nudge uh, matters. But nudge matters. (laughs) Yeah. Strength coach. That's probably generic. That wouldn't be as good. Bad idea. Bad idea. Right. So, well, James, I guess as, as we're kind of wrapping up, I really appreciate you being here. Where could where should someone go if they're kind of interested to learn more about you or connect with you or learn more about Strength Matters? Honestly, it's just the, the very simplest way to do it is if you go onto your iPhone or your Android phone and search for Strength Matters uh, under the apps, download the app. Um, you don't need to subscribe to the magazine. You can get access to all our website, our best blogs, our best content, the podcast. It's all in the app. Obviously, our best content is saved for the actual magazine itself. So um, that's the best place to get to know. If you're interested in Strength Matters, that's the best place to start. And after that, you know, visit realstrengthmatters.com. That's our website. And then reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all the, all the rest of the social media platforms. Brilliant. That's awesome. Well, thank you, James. Everybody go and check out those apps and um, also go check out the uh, Real Strength Matters website. James, I really appreciate you being here. And for everyone listening, I appreciate you tuning into the Scale Well podcast. We have a few five-star ratings in the App Store, Google Play, all those, all those places. But, you know, we can always use some more. We appreciate the love. Go rate and review it us now. It really goes a long way. We would love to know how we're doing. Um, and, you know, go check out James' stuff at Strength Matters. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, guys.